Today on Crossroads in Culture, we're looking at the final statement that Jesus made from the cross and how what he said points to his trust in God the Father and how we can trust God even in life's darkest moments. That's today on Crossroads and Culture. Hey guys, welcome to Crossroads and Culture, where life, ministry, and culture meet. If you've been joining me for the last several days, you know that we've been walking through this series, looking at the seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. And today, being Good Friday, and I hope that you are remembering the death of Jesus and the sacrifice he made for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God and have eternal life, I hope you're reflecting on that. But on this Good Friday, we're looking at this last statement that Jesus made, and we find it recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 46. So if you're able and you have a Bible uh, that's there next to you, or maybe your Bible app on your phone, I encourage you to to look at that. Uh, If you're not able to do that, then as I've been doing uh, this week, I'm just going to read this text to you. So I'm going to begin, actually, uh, Luke chapter 23. I'm going to begin with verse 44, and I'm going to go down to verse 46. So listen to what uh, what Luke records in his gospel. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Remember, that's from noon uh, until 3 p.m. And while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last And so this was the final statement that Jesus made from the cross prior to him giving up his life, breathing his last breath. And in this one statement, there are um, a few things that I believe we can can glean from this that, that really do give us hope in life's darkest moments. As we have talked about throughout this series over these last several days, this week that Jesus endured, we know as Holy Week or... Um, Passion Week, some people would say, the passion of the Christ, the suffering, the word passion can mean suffering, um, that he endured so much. He endured um, criticism, ridicule, mocking, the questioning of his authority. He endured um, uh, being uh, falsely uh, accused, falsely tried. He was beaten um, almost to to death, uh, to where he lost so much blood. Um, and then he went to the cross and was crucified, and it's here on the cross that we hear these seven statements that he makes. This has been a horrific week as it leads to his crucifixion, which again, this being Good Friday, we remember him giving his life on the cross for our sins. Now, lest we think that, that these were men who just took Jesus by force, so to speak, and did what they wanted to do because it was their desire and their will, we need to understand that this was all part of the sovereign plan of God. We saw that in Isaiah chapter 53, that it was the Lord's will to crush Jesus. We also read in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, where God had ordained these moments because Jesus would be the one who would lay down his life for the sins of the world. And even when he was on the cross, Jesus voluntarily gave up his life so that we might have life. That is something we can that we can learn from this and that we can take and 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 
hold on to this truth that Jesus voluntarily gave up his life so that we might have life. It was this substitution again, substitutionary atonement, which means that Jesus substituted himself in our place. He put himself in our place so that we might have life. But he, fought, he voluntarily gives up his life. In the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30, we read this the other day, that when Jesus had received sour wine, he said, it is finished, to telestai, the Greek word, that it is accomplished, it is perfected. Um, it, it, everything that, has, that needed to be done, every prophecy that needed to be fulfilled had been fulfilled. And all that was required for us to be able to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ was accomplished on the cross. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. But then John records that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, that Jesus was in full control even on the cross, even uh, under the punishment uh, and the cruelty that had been inflicted upon him as he was on the cross, Jesus bowed up, bowed his, bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He voluntary, voluntarily gave up his life. Jesus said, I lay down my life. And that's exactly what he did. Now, there's one other thing I really think is important for us to look at and to think about when Jesus made this statement, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So just as Jesus entrusted his life to his Father, he did the same in his death. We look at the life of Jesus uh, as he began his ministry. When he came and was baptized, and you may remember when God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, Jesus began his earthly ministry, began preaching repentance because the kingdom of God had come. And so as he began to teach and bring healing to those who were sick, uh, those who were lame, uh, those who were deaf, those who were blind, as he began to bring uh, to, to um, heal people and teach things that they had never heard before in all of Israel, as the scriptures tell us, um, in every part of his earthly life, he entrusted everything to his father. When he was tempted in the wilderness, um, when he found himself uh, in difficult situations, even in his ministry, he completely trusted his father. We see that as he withdrew to quiet places, um, typically after a very draining physical and demanding schedule, he would withdraw on a regular basis, this regular rhythm of silence and solitude and prayer, um, because it was his, it was his uh, acknowledgement that he needed the Father. Now, Jesus was completely God. He is completely God, but also he was completely human as well, which just blows our mind, but that's why he's God, and that's why we're not. But we see in his life how he trusted his Father in everything he did, and he did that in his life, but he also does the same thing in his death. We see that in this text, that into your hands I commit my spirit. I am entrusting you not only with my life, but even in my death, I am still trusting you. Now, in his death, Jesus has shown us how to live. It gives us this hope and really an example to be able to say, Jesus, I fully trust you with my life, knowing that my life is in your hands. That, that God is more than capable 
of caring for us, when we give him everything, when we surrender all we are to him, he created us in his image, he created us for his glory, he created us to have a relationship with him, he has expressed that through his son, Jesus Christ, and so when we see this, God is worthy, not only of our worship, but he's also worthy of our trust, that he hasn't let us down, he doesn't let us down, life may let us down because we live in a broken world, and people may disappoint you and let you down. You may disappoint yourself. Um, but God doesn't and never has and never will. We can fully trust him. Even in those moments where it doesn't feel like we can, we can fully trust him because we've seen it modeled in the life of Jesus. And if you look back at what God has done in your life, you will see that he has a perfect track record of constantly leading you, providing for you, and even in difficult moments, growing you. Um, he is worthy of our trust. So even in his death, Jesus has shown us how to live, that I can fully trust him with my life, knowing that my life is in his hands. And we see this in scripture. From Jesus's example of this, it really did encourage the believers uh, that we find in the New Testament, and it should be an encouragement for us too as well. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul writes this. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul said, I, I want to know this Jesus and I want to become like him. I, I, would, I even want to share in his sufferings and I want to become like him in his death. I, I'm, I can trust him fully in every aspect of his life and what he has shown us and how he has lived, how he has died, and even in the power of his resurrection and the life that we have in him by his spirit, that he is worthy of my trust. In Acts chapter 7, verse 59 and verse 60, God's word says, And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So in this text, we see Stephen in the book of Acts. He was preaching and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who laid down his life. He was the one that was crucified by the religious leaders, that he was, the, he was crucified um, and falsely tried, he, that he was the innocent Lamb of God. Stephen is preaching the gospel, and as a result of this, um, people not only persecuted him, but executed him. They killed him because of his belief in Jesus and because of his proclamation of the gospel. But, but as we see and, and read in this text, Stephen, as they were stoning him, as he was facing death and literally in the process of being killed, Stephen called out and said, the very same thing that Jesus said from the cross, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In the same way that he had heard that Jesus trusted his father, even on the cross, it gave Stephen a sense of boldness and also this confident trust that he could entrust his life to Jesus. That's why he cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Again, the example of Jesus when he was on the cross and Stephen now knowing that that being a follower of Jesus, that we're able to say this thing that Jesus said on the cross, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Rather than, than holding a grudge in these dying moments, Stephen 
cried out something that obviously his life being impacted by Christ in such a way that those words would ring and resonate in his heart and his mind that even in these dark moments of Stephen's life as he is facing death, he says these words that Jesus said from the cross. And then it says, and then when he said this, he fell asleep. So even in Stephen's death, he put his faith and trust in Jesus. Now these are this is what's so good for us to know in this brief episode of this podcast and this final statement we're looking at that Jesus made, that because of what Christ did and the, the example that he showed us from the cross in his suffering, we can look to him and say he's worthy of our trust, just as he entrusted his life to his father. He, he did the same in his death. He entrusted his life to the Father, even in his dying moments, that you and I too can trust him, that we can fully trust Jesus. We can fully trust God with our life, knowing that our life is in his hands. So as as we wrap this up, I just want to kind of recap what we've learned this week uh, with some thoughts and, and a few questions as well that I hope that you'll think through today, that you will allow it to resonate in your heart and in your mind. So one of the first thoughts I believe we should consider and and think on is that the greatest need of every sinner is God's forgiveness, that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory is what the scriptures tell us. And so the greatest need of every sinner is God's forgiveness. But also we see something else, and and that's this, that Christ in me, gives me the grace and mercy I need to forgive those who have deeply wounded me. Remember what Jesus prayed when he prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He was praying this regarding those who had crucified him, who were crucifying him, those who had deeply wounded him, offended him. um, and, And Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to forgive those who have done us wrong, who have wounded us, and how Only in Christ can we find the grace and have the grace and mercy to forgive those who have deeply hurt us or wounded us. Another thought to think about is the promise of Christ to a repentant sinner, that it's a clear picture that salvation is an act of grace and not works. We saw that when Jesus said to one of the thieves on the cross who cried out to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And do you remember Jesus' response to him? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. There was nothing that this thief could have done to earn God's salvation. There there were no works he could do. He was on the cross. He'd already been condemned to death. Yet he turned to Jesus. There was something he saw, something he heard, perhaps, that turned his heart to Christ, where he believed that Jesus really was and is the Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. So so we see this promise that Jesus made to this, this repentant sinner, this thief on the cross, and he does the same for any person who turns from sin and turns to him for the, for the forgiveness of sin. It's a clear picture that salvation is an act of God's grace, not works that you do. One other thought is a question, really. It's it's if today is my last day on earth, where, where will I spend eternity? I hope and pray that you live many days from this day forward, many years. 
but we know that, that we don't control this life. We don't control what happens. That God is the one who gives life. God is the one who takes life because he's God. But if today is my last day on earth, where will I spend eternity? Now, I, I am so thankful by God's grace. I know where I will spend eternity because I have put my faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. But for you, what, what about you? If, if this were your last day on earth, where would you spend eternity? Because the Bible tells us that we will spend eternity either with God in heaven or separated from him in a literal place called hell. And my hope and prayer is that you would choose Jesus so that you have life now, but also experience the life that he gives that is to come, that's everlasting life for all eternity. Here's one other thought. As a believer, I'm an extension of his body, the body of Christ, the church, to people in need. And we saw this when Jesus said to his mother, um, behold your son. Obviously, he came to die on the cross for her sins, just like Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But he also said to John, he said, behold your mother. He was saying to John, take care of my mother, which it was a responsibility of Jesus to do that, to ensure that his mom, Mary, would be taken care of. What this statement was not saying, this statement was not saying that Mary is the mother of the church. That's not what Scripture teaches, although I know um, Roman Catholicism would teach that um, and would use this as the text for that. If you go back and listen to the podcast I had done uh, a few days ago uh, and talking about this statement, the third statement that Jesus had made, uh, I talk more in depth about that. But as a believer um, in Christ, I'm an extension of his body, the church, to people in need, that, that I should care for those whom God places within my reach as well, to be compassionate towards them and to be in community with them as well. Another thought is that as a believer in Christ, I am never forsaken. That Jesus was forsaken so that I would not, I would have to be. And we get this from the statement Jesus made from the cross, uh, really the question when he, when he asked, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or in the Aramaic, it would say, my God, my God, you have forsaken me. That Jesus didn't just feel forsaken, but he was actually forsaken by God that he was abandoned in that moment while he was on the cross bearing the weight of our sin, that he was forsaken by God. And the beauty of the gospel, where we find hope in the darkest moments of Jesus's life on the cross, is that I, I don't have to be forsaken. I'm not forsaken or abandoned when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that he took that on himself so that I would not have to be forsaken. Another thought in the form of a question that I think it'd be good to think on is how thirsty am I for God's presence? That question comes from one of the statements that Jesus made when he said, I thirst. And we know that he thirsted because he was thirsty because of the physical uh, toll, uh, toll that it took on his body, that this being beaten and his blood loss, the bodily fluids that just that he lost as a result of being under this this Middle Eastern sun that was beating down on him as he was on the cross, um, and also because he was fulfilling the scriptures uh, that had been prophesied about him, but he was also, I believe, thirsting for God's presence, because remember he had just made this statement, this question. God, why have you forsaken me? Father, why have you forsaken me? That never before had he been outside the presence of God. We see that in Genesis where 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, were always in relationship. There was no separation, no forsakenness in that community, that unity that God has with himself and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so now, this was new for Jesus to be forsaken by the Father. And I believe he was longing, thirsting for his for God's presence. And I just wonder, how thirsty are you for God's presence? Another couple of questions as we wrap this up today is, am I living as though Christ's death meant the death to death? Do we have this hope that in this life, even though we all will face physical death at some point, that we can have this hope of knowing that what Jesus did on the cross today at Good Good Friday as we remember this, that it was the death to death, that, that even though death may have its moment, death does not have the final say. Jesus has the final say. That this cross that Jesus died on, um, when he said it is finished, it was an exclamation point on the death to death. And then the last thought, this last question is, am I fully trusting Jesus with my life because I know my life is in his hands? Well, as a follower of Jesus, I know that I can trust Jesus with my life fully. And although there are moments and times where I may not trust him like I should, my desire is to trust him more and more because he is worthy of my trust. And I would say the same thing for you, that in your life, regardless of what circumstances you've gone through and what you're going through right now, that Jesus is worthy of your trust, that you can say to him today, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I entrust everything I have and everything I am to you because you're trustworthy. I really hope that as we come to a close on this series on the seven statements that Jesus made from the cross, that you will see the great extent and length that God went to to show you his love for you, that he would send his son Jesus into this world Um, taking on flesh, God in the flesh, living a sinless life, enduring a horrific week, being brutally beaten and crucified on a cross because of his great love for you so that you might be reconciled to God, that you might have a relationship with him. And there's nothing you or I could ever do to work our way to salvation. There's no way we could be good enough there aren't a good, uh, enough good works for us to do in order to be made right with God. It is only through what Jesus Christ did on the cross and his sinless sacrifice that us turning from sin and repenting from our sin and putting our faith and our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin that we could ever have the hope of salvation and the hope of eternal life. And so my prayer for you is that if you've never made that decision, I hope you'll I hope you'll comment. You can go to uh, my blog post. It's seanbernard.wordpress.com. It's S H A W N B A R N A R D.wordpress.com. And this podcast is posted there. You can send a comment and respond. And if you're wanting to know Jesus as your savior or you're wanting some more resources, if you'll comment on that, then I will, and put an email address where I can reach you with some resources, then we will be glad to, to talk with you further and to send you any resources you may want on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's my prayer for you. 
So thank you so much for listening to the series. If you missed some, you can go back and and listen to them on the podcast platform that you um, listen to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Gamecast, whatever you use, and you can listen to um, the other statements that, we, that I discussed um, over these last several days. And also, if you would share this on your social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever you may utilize, so that your friends and family can listen to this as well, Uh, This may be helpful for them, encouraging to them, and who knows, God may use this to draw them to himself so that they might experience this great salvation that God has extended to us in Jesus Christ. I hope you have a great rest of the day, this Good Friday that is worth remembering because of what Christ has done, and that you look forward to Resurrection Sunday, this Sunday, as we celebrate our risen Savior. Have a great day, and I'll see you again next time on Crossroads and Culture. 